The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. It's going to be a fun little solo episode, which I almost never do, but I just kind of really felt like the vibe was there. (laughs) And, you know, AG, God bless it. I love when it's just a a lovely, sometimes extra sassy um, duet, but I just kind of felt like a solo would be kind of fun as a little bit of a reset for this week. And also, I feel like there's been... (laughs) some stuff that Network said, um, a quasi-interaction that occurred today between myself and a Salt Lake City housewife (laughs) that I felt like I just kind of wanted to talk to you guys about. And um, so it'll be maybe a little bit of a bebe up, but kind of a catch up on what's going on, a little bit of a primer, um, especially because one of my favorite guests is going to be on EG at the end of the week. And Lord knows we're going to have a lot to say about Miami and Potomac and, of course, Salt Lake, um, since the reunion is going to be happening on Wednesday, part one of what I assume will be a two-parter. I mean, since Jen Shaw tapped out of the one-on-one, the programming notes had said this was going to be a three-part reunion. I assumed the third part would be a sit down with Jen. Now, the question is, since that is no longer going to be a thing, what remains? Um, Will it be a secrets revealed? Will we see that moment with Dana that they really, truly dined out on the entirety of the season, leading us up to this moment of pushback that never actually aired? Who knows? Who's to say? But I feel like there's, there was a conversation in The Hollywood Reporter with a panel of top executives from the world of reality TV, of unscripted television, excuse, um, and it included some very high ups at Bravo who had some things to say about Jen, which I talked about on social. Then um, something else happened <laughs> that I talked about on social, and then I did get a response. And... Um, from a housewife, from Heather Gay. So I want to chat a little bit about that, but I think it's important to start with the gen of it all because, again, this interview came out a few days ago during this roundtable that included NBC Universal's senior VP of unscripted current production and Bravo's senior VP of current programming. 
that included conversation about what the fuck to do with Jen. And I honestly read their parts of this interview and it like honestly sort of broke my brain a little bit. Um, I found their strategy confounding, um, but I guess kind of consistent for what we've seen so far. Um, So just kind of taking a look back at the timetable here, Jen changed her plea from pleading not guilty to guilty in July. At some point thereafter, she was disinvited from BravoCon, which happened in October. During an Ask Andy panel, Andy said the relationship had come to an end with Jen. She had been disinvited from attending BravoCon. She decided to fly out with Heather to BravoCon. Um, but was not able to gain entry to any of the corresponding events. I guess she was like partying at the rooftop of the Gansevoort with various people, but um, wasn't able to get inside any of the events, um, perhaps not surprisingly. But during that Ask Andy Q&A and panel, Andy said, you know, we've relationship has come to the come to an end, but I would like to sit down with her, ideally with cameras, because I have some questions. So that wasn't necessarily breaking news to people, the idea of a sit down when you think of like the full quote of what of what he said, because I went back to to get a sense of like the exact terminology he used. But as we also know, Jen continued to film the show. She continued to film confessionals, including ones that addressed her change of plea after she changed her plea. Um, I don't have any idea of how long those pickup dates went, but certainly the relationship with Jen that Andy had said had come to an end had in fact not. It, it seems like the only punishment or stepping away that the network has had with Jen was disinviting her from BravoCon, which when you think about it, was maybe because they were thinking that relationship was coming to an end, lol, but also maybe because imagine if Lisa Renna got the kind of boo reception that she got. I don't know that they would want to give up the kind of control to the public outcry, like literal cries of booing and whatever else. I think it would have taken away the entirety, God knows, of the panel and whatever else she had gone to because it would have sucked out all of the air in the room and whatever air remained was going to be pretty fucking negative. So who knows why she was disinvited? But regardless, obviously, Andy was sharing his interest in sitting down with her. She continued to film um, confessionals. She was sentenced, obviously, in December, which I attended. And then Andy announced essentially his interest in filming a sit down with Jen um, instead of having her at the reunion, a, a position that has been recently discussed in AG that I have to say um, would have likely held her in hotter water. Um, and dittos the members of her like friendship alliance by having her in a group setting that having to answer to her cast would have been more grounding and possibly humiliating for Jen, uh, certainly humbling than a sit down with Andy, which is an incredibly different energy and vibe and one that might be much easier for her to potentially handle. So for whatever reason, there was a decision made which I think Jen said was 
because she hadn't been invited to the reunion. Then she had, then she said that she couldn't because they were filming prior to the sentencing. And, you know, there were a certain things that she didn't want to discuss, even though obviously um, the reunion wouldn't have aired until after. Um, but I can't even really begrudge her for saying no to that. I do wonder why they didn't push production until after the sentencing. But my guess is because no one had any fucking idea what was going to happen. And it would be entirely possible that if she had had potentially a more severe sentence that she wouldn't have wanted to film regardless. I mean, who even really knows um, at a certain point? So she wasn't invited to the reunion. Then she was. Then she declined. Then this sit down was announced as something Andy was hoping to do, hoping to fly to Salt Lake. Jen posted a dress rehearsal, you know, fanned out glamour pic and then announced a couple days ago it actually wasn't happening because who even the fuck knows why. Um, Andy discussed it briefly on Radio Andy today, Monday, um, by essentially saying he wasn't going to talk about it. <laughs> and he said like something along, it was like a 10 second, like something along the lines of, um, which I listened to, uh, you know, uh, there are things that I'm doing where I'm just keeping my head down this year. And I know Jen put out her like quote response and I'm not going to address it. I'm just going to kind of keep things moving. And then this Hollywood reporter interview was published and the network had some things to say. So I'm just going to kind of walk you through, I think, a couple points that I found would be potentially of interest. And this is the reporter saying, the past year was notable for headlines involving some of your cast members' real lives, including legal drama surrounding Real Housewives stars Jen Shaw and Erica Girardi. What goes into navigating it? And one of the executives had some thoughts, which I'm going to share with you. And that executive said, with Jen Shaw right now, that's the last thing any of us expected and the last thing, frankly, any of us wanted, although it has been compelling television. I don't think anybody sits back and hopes that somebody commits a crime, but we cast people with very big personalities from all walks of life. You don't know where their lives are going to go, although you do know generally that crazy, wild things are going to happen. When they do, you have to assess the best way to cover it and move forward, and you have to balance what's the right kind of story to tell and what represents us as a network with what you've already given to an audience. You've invested them in somebody's life. It's a really challenging question for us always, and it's something we reevaluate every minute of every day as we go through different experiences with different cast members, which is a terrific non-answer, but also one that is relatively compelling. Um, obviously, he's not necessarily including <laughs> Erica Girardi's entirely sidestepping that, that aspect of it, but the Jen Shaw situation is very different. This is someone who was... Um, credibly accused by uh, several different departments of our federal government um, of defrauding thousands and thousands and thousands of victims. So when it comes to addressing the cost of casting a certain kind of big personality, uh, I find that interesting to kind of like thread that needle a little bit 
in terms of like exactly what kind of big are we looking for. Um, there, of course, have been conversations. I've um, included some satchels of gold, listener thoughts and feels, questions and concerns, named in honor of Her Holiness Kelly Corn Ben Simone on the Andy Scrolls Patreon in a satchel spectacular previously talking about all things Salt Lake City and all things Gentensing and had a satchel from someone who works in politics in DC who was like, where was the fucking background check? I mean, there's the idea here of a continuation of a person's story, but you would think there would be a dot at the end of that sentence. You would think there a dot, lol. You would think that there would be <laughs> hashtag writer girl, a period there. You know, there's the idea of like wrapping up a story. And it's interesting to think about whether or not the person, the criminal, um, who has at this point pled guilty, whether or not they need to be there for the ending of their story on Housewives. You would think what we are talking about here is a conclusion of Jen's storyline on Salt Lake since we were literally told the network was going to had come to the end of its relationship with Jen even though as I said they continued filming with her which they didn't need to do they could have had other members of the cast act as surrogates or actually had more time and airtime invested in the reactions of the existing current cast members, the one you would think the storyline would be solely focused on in the future, talking about their reactions to being hoodwinked by Jen, their reactions to being manipulated, an understanding of what it means that the like, you know, grannies, the elderly who had been discussed a little bit on background, essentially, not ever really as the priority here, were very real and had been really traumatized by this person who was in your friend circle, this person that you maybe called a good friend. Instead of doing that, instead of completing the story of Jen, they just kind of continued her perspective. And knowing as we do now, maybe they were doing that because they assumed that there would be a sit down with Jen, but like, where was the plan B? And then it turns out, it, it sounds like they actually have one because that executive responded to this question with an interesting response. A question from the reporter, from the journalist was, what's the latest with Shaw's status on the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City? And that executive said, we really have not made decisions and we're discussing it all the time and trying to figure out what the best course of action is moving forward. We always reevaluate. There are people we stop filming with and then start filming with again. It's not math. It's not a simple equation. We try to take into account as many different aspects of what's going on as we can. And it, for lack of a better comparison, of which there could be many, I think that there is in my head, in my like boiled over brain, a little bit of a through line here to the Heather conversation, which I'm going to get to next, in the idea of like a sense of cravenness in being strategic while pretending this is what the audience wants or truly needs. The idea of constantly reevaluating of we haven't made a final decision. We're discussing it. We're trying to figure out what's going on moving forward. And I think a lot of people reacted to this if and when they heard about this interview and the network's response with 
an aspect of like shock and horror, but also confusion because there had been so many waves made about Andy's reaction during BravoCon that people, understandably so, took him at his word. And it sounds like that word either was uttered for a very specific strategic decision at that time, maybe as a way to provide an out for them to save themselves from having Jen appear in person. Maybe there was no intention of them taking a step away from their relationship with her and having it come to its end. Because here, obviously, they're saying that they keep the door open. I mean, Jen herself told the judge, I was in the courtroom, that she still had a job. And I always felt like that was an honest response to the to the judge. She had a job because she hadn't been fired. Um, and Andy's response to all of the questions of why hasn't she been fired been, it's not up to me. It's up to the judge. It's up to how many, how much time she gets, you know, when she goes to camp. And I think that has left many of us, certainly myself included, frustrated because it's not up to the judge to dictate Jen's employment. That's really the responsibility of her employer. And it has become apparent that her employer doesn't want to fire her. That could not be more clearly stated than in the response from this executive that I just shared. It's it, the idea that it's not, in their words, math. It's not, it's not math. It's not a simple equation. When you would think this would be the simplest response they would ever have. And I got into a very passionate back and forth on my social when I posted about this because I was so fucking pissed. I was like at an absolute 11.375, which is one of the reasons why I wanted to do a little bebay episode with you guys today. But I got a lot of responses from people, you know, who had um, different view, different views than mine, but who I really engaged with in conversation, like real back and forth people who said, you know, Jen's a piece of shit, but maybe if she keeps a job with Bravo, she can, you know, pay restitution more quickly, which is something that hadn't been ordered by the judge or requested by the government, not something that Jen has never suggested she would do. And also gets into the idea of like, what is the punishment here? You know, like how how do we measure the value and worth of a person's position on reality TV when we look at the damage that has caused? Jen engaged and led this fraud that affected thousands of vulnerable people for 10 years, I want to say, until, what was it, 2021? After she had been cast on Housewives, she was still in heavily engaged in criminal activity. We, in fact, saw some of it on TV when she was working with Stu. P.S. What's, where's Stu at? What's, has anybody checked in on him lately? Um, you know, so when you think of that, when you think of the reality that the cameras were actually capturing her uh, engaging in criminal activity and packaging it as an idea of her as a girl boss, how can we even... Ha- expect or have faith or hope that any kind of capturing or recentering of Jen's storyline would involve her doing stuff that isn't harming other folks. I just keep thinking of that line in this response. It's not math. It's not a simple equation. And, you know, there were people very, very, um, you know, focused on obviously calling out Jen, who had different thoughts about whether or not she should return and whether it might help victims in getting 
you know, money back to her more quickly or whatever the answer is. And I just kept thinking of this response. It's not math. It's not a simple equation. And, you know, the feeling that I just kind of had thinking about it is why don't we make this as simple as humanly possible? You know, if if I was a journalist or reporter, um, which I've been known to do on occasion, if I was a writer, an interviewer talking to an executive from Bravo, a position I don't know that I would necessarily be in based on previous uh, work that I've written about the network's response to various um, fucking situations, but I would have a sort of single question for them, which is this, you know, are, are Jen's crimes a fireable offense? I think that's it. I don't know that it's a, I, you know, no fault to the reporter. Of course, the question was phrased um, perfectly in terms of like, is she coming back? What's the future here? But my follow up to them would be that, you know, like we talk about, oh, what's the, you know, like, is there a way that this could help victims? Could they receive some form of compensation? I mean, would they receive essentially their money back, the money that Jen is legally required to repay to them, the some of the $6 million plus that she stole, that she's been ordered and agreed to pay back. And that doesn't include the $6 million of goods and value valuables and assets that she also has to turn in. Um, but when it comes to just like brass tacks here, are Jen's crimes a fireable offense? Is defrauding thousands of people, including during the time in which she was under your employment, a fireable offense? I don't know how you get around that. I think that there's a way to skirt this and to give Jen more value than I would argue she even has on the show, even outside of this. Jen's always been like, sort of a dark shadow over many members of the cast. I I don't know that even the people she is closest with on the show would necessarily choose to be friends with her if they weren't on the show together and if there wasn't a strategy because of other, you know, relationship friendship fallouts and alliances changing hands. Like I don't know whether or not she would be the choice that they would have. I guess you could argue that about any number of franchise friendships. Um, But when I think about the cost here and just like the actual, I mean, you could call it HR, just like the terms of service. We're not even talking a morality clause. We're just talking fireable offense. Is it a fireable offense to admit to a decade-long grift that you were engaged in while filming and performing Real Housewives. I think that is a different conversation than what's actually being had. And I do think it's incredibly dirty and gross to see Bravo continue to ignore it and pretend that's not happening and pretend that, you know, Jen's storyline will continue because attention on Jen is needed, because attention on Jen has been had been given prior. And obviously there's a big focus on her now. Um, I mean, noting, of course, she's going to be in camp, federal camp, for five years. She was sentenced to six and a half, seeing what happens with, I think you can only shave off, I want to say like 15% of that. Um, And then also there's some requests that her 
lawyer and teammate about whether uh, different programs they requested that she enter and how that might affect her term. At minimum, she will be away for five years. Who knows what Salt Lake City will be at that point? I think there are aspects of this that is burning down. I don't know that this season, excuse me, that this season has been a success for the network with anything other than attention. Um, and they talk also in that interview about how important the Bravoholics are, how incredible BravoCon is, how important feedback is, new shows and the future of the network. And I would just think that Jen would be a shining example of the kind of housewife they would want to shy away from. I don't think we're getting into a gray area here of like, is Jen going to sue them if she says they're maybe not great? If if they say she's maybe not great, rather. I don't think that's the concern. Um, if it is, they've obviously handled that with a heavy touch in talking about how interesting, I guess, the continuation of her storyline would be, arguing in some ways that it's like a debt they owe to the audience. I would think she should be focused off camera on the debt she owes to her victims instead. Um, I think the the worst case scenario for Jen is no longer being on TV, and I just can't imagine rewarding her with that. At the end of the day, it's not the responsibility of viewers or of the network to ensure that Jen is paying her victims back. That is entirely on Jen. I also assume that, you know, at some point there is some sort of treasure map to some of this cash that hasn't been found. But noting the very um, healthy uh, salary that Coach makes, also noting the IRS hasn't uh, yet tapped in, and that seems like something that is entirely possible to happen. Um, I don't know that from the perspective of employment, a relationship with Jen is continue, the continuation of a relationship with Jen is a good idea for anyone else but Jen. I don't quite know. Um, But it is obviously a dark cloud over this season and over the idea of being a Bravoholic and a member of the Bravo community because you would think the easiest thing that the network would do would be to maintain what Andy himself said, that the relationship has come to an end. But of course, noting that there are relationships that are still here with Bravo lebs who remain in the Salt Lake City cast. Um, Page Six put out a story uh, in the last couple of days saying that the Salt Lake City cast is on the chopping block uh, and they're looking to recast three roles um and so you know all hands on deck uh, but you know the people who are safe are meredith and lisa and heather and whitney but after that who knows what will take place essentially saying um jen's gonna skadoodle although apparently that wouldn't necessarily be happening if um she wasn't going to jail to prison rather and Dana and Angie Kay, it seems, have come to the end of their journey as friends of, I don't know what to make of Angie H, but the other Angie and Dana, I think that's sort of the, the spill of tea that Page Six was saying was like, um, the friends of, we're just going to pretend they're full timers in the cast. But it is important when you think about what the future of Salt Lake City will be moving forward. I think... We will see a big part of that in the upcoming reunion episodes starting this week. 
And I think there is a weird energy that remains. Um, I am one of many people who continues to be incredibly frustrated and also unnerved about the ways that Heather has behaved. I think there is almost the expectation that with Jen gone, like a weight will be lifted here from some of the really, really dark stuff. But there's some other stuff happening too that really, truly may well not involve Jen. And even if in some sort of initial incident, even if I don't believe this was the case, I really, truly don't. Even if there was an accident possibly that involved Jen that led to Heather's eye, Heather's behavior, mocking and otherwise, as a result of the narrative she's tried to, in like the most chaotic way possible, portray about what happened to her and how she's going to use it against her cast has been a terrible, very, very dark look from saying when someone shows up at your house in the middle of the night, don't answer to these people know what happened and I'm trying to protect them to I'm in an unsafe position and need to protect myself to laughing about it on the after show and making light about it on social media, sharing memes that do the same and never once addressing real concern that people have about what the fuck happened to her, including members of her cast saying to Whitney, if you were a better friend to me, I would let you know what happened, but not seemingly letting anyone know what actually occurred in real time. I know what happened. I absolutely know I'm trying to protect. Oh, I don't know what happened. Does anyone have a theory? And if you come up with an idea that sounds close enough to something that could be realistic and make sense with all of my myriad of chaotic reasoning here, then we'll go with that. It it doesn't leave a person feeling that great about the ways that Heather has tried to shift focus into this being a matter of culpability of other members of the cast who were either present for something happening or were possibly involved in it while also saying this is a joke and laughing about it on the after show. And I think what upset a lot of people was Heather's response to somebody, one of the many, many people asking why she, you know, hadn't, asking what happened to her eye. And Heather's reaction was to say, perhaps I will share it in my book. Her reaction was to say quite literally this to someone who commented on one of her posts and said, how are you talking about this and not the black eye situation? Which who knows what the this was. I actually don't remember at this point. Um, and Heather's response was, perhaps the answer is in my book, Bad Mormon, hitting the shelves February 7. And that was yet again another example of Heather taking what was, I think, genuine concern and also frustration at this point from viewers and using that to market as an LOL her book. I also wonder, as I said in the last Andy's Girls, if anybody took her literally and thought, oh, it's going to be in her book. Let me pre-order a copy. You know, the, the book itself isn't out until February 7th. I've heard from people who 
had pre-ordered it and now regret it in terms of the Heather that we're seeing this season. I don't have an answer to that. Um, but it did to me seem incredibly craven and unfortunate that Heather would once again use the very, very triggering conversation around physical violence as a punchline, for lack of a better term. Like, it is in an incredibly poor taste and doing that after seeing the audience response. I mean, when you're filming Housewives, you are in, in an absolute bubble. There is no way and you're, you know, high on your own supply. There's no way to necessarily know how bad an idea is or a course of ideas until you get some kind of response. Maybe you're being pushed by production or maybe production is trying to help you in whatever way, you know, you kind of take that advice. Maybe production, I don't know what, if anything, they knew, but I feel in my gut that this was a nothing burger from the start. I keep replaying in my head what would have happened if Heather had done the show and dance of removing her sunglasses in front of Meredith, Meredith saying, what happened? And Heather saying, oh my God, I fell. And it just being a nothing, like a complete nothing point, maybe a weird LOL in terms of like, oh my God, be safe telling her cast and then moving forward. It's the sliding doors that we'll never get. It's the sliding doors of Salt Lake. Like, I wonder how that would have panned out. There would have been other critique and frustration with Heather as there has been of Meredith when it comes to a total refusal to acknowledge what actually happened with Jen and holding them accountable for their complete disinterest as we have seen. I don't think that production was like withholding that footage of them asking questions or even talking about what was going on with Jen. Um, So there certainly would have been a really heavy critique around Heather's behavior had this not occurred in the way that it did. But of course it did. Of course, she has made a series of strategic moves and hasn't addressed the many, 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 many comments on her page saying what the fuck went down. And I think that is a complicated and incredibly disappointing reaction. It has been a reveal of Heather. I've seen people on social be like, this is the person I always thought she was going to be. And my reaction to that is like, good on you for maybe knowing, but I certainly did not. I felt connected to Heather. When we talk about spiritual housewives, there's of course, as you guys all know, like the idea of like, who's your fave? Who's in your top five? But also like, who do you see yourself in? And any number of people at BravoCon, you know, standing up in a Q&A crying and being very vulnerable and sharing with Heather how they have seen their sel- themselves in them has been an incredibly powerful process. It's a feeling that I definitely have felt as, as well. Like the feeling of connection to her, not only in you know, her personal story, which I have not, of course, experienced, and her leaving the Mormon religion and community and what that caused, but also just the way that she seemed relatively humble and had a sense of humility and humor and honesty in how she discussed what was going on as the voice of the audience and in some of her interactions with members of her cast. She, there were, you know, like asterisk moments, her hate of Lisa Barlow. I was always kind of like, what's behind this? Like, is there a connection here with Lisa Barlow talking about like how she's a new member of LDS and maybe that being something that Heather didn't feel like was possible for her own journey and friction there? Or 
you know, responses to the different ways the audience has embraced different people or you genuinely don't fuck with this person or good time girl stuff. Like, obviously, there were layers there that I don't know that we've ever really been able to fully unpack. So there was some stuff I disagreed with her about, but I also felt like here was someone who read to me as pretty honest. And it feels like the strategic and incredibly manipulative behavior that she has exhibited in the ways she has responded to this black eye stuff and tried to use it for storyline and tried to shame cast members who were literally concerned for her safety and use that to say to them, if you were a better friend, I would tell you if I was beat up. Not great. And that says nothing of the ways that this has been triggering to viewers, people who have experienced physical violence, people who have been in violent um, environments or circumstances where there was nothing funny about what was going on. And I think the gray area here, which Heather has done such a formidable tap dance around and directly on is what is so infuriating to me because I, I just genuinely, truly don't think that there's anything funny about this. And I can't see past the frequent examples of her like completely disassociating from any kind of sense of humility or a sense of being humble or a sense of being honest. It has felt so strategic. And I hate to say this word, all of a sudden, like the last couple of weeks have felt like I can't stop saying the word craven. And yet that is the only word that to me fits. I also think there's something to be said. I was talking about this with a friend of mine earlier today. Like there's something to be said about getting a huge, huge, huge audience response and being able to monetize that, being able to monetize, you know, my personality as a housewife, as being humble, as being honest, as being funny, as being grounded and down to earth. And I have no problem with that. You got to, you know, cash your check. We support other women. You should be monetizing your time on Housewives. Like that is a big part of it here, especially when we are talking about someone who is a single mother, has overcome a lot, is a successful businesswoman. I have no problem. And I think it's actually very smart to monetize your time on Housewives. But manipulating a storyline around physical violence and connecting that with monetizing is a problem for me. Connecting the idea of Physical violence may be occurred. It may be involved a member of a cat of the cast. I won't tell other members if they themselves are also safe because they're not good enough friends to me. And then I'm going to laugh about it on the after show and on Instagram stories is not okay with me. It's really, truly not. So when Heather had that moment of trying to use her black eye and genuine questions and concerns from those very people. Those very people who are also the same people to be emotional and vulnerable and telling her how much her representation on housewives has meant to them. Those are the same people she's essentially laughing at in ignoring any kind of response or clarity. Although at this point, what other clarity do we really need? Like maybe we should be listening to her. Maybe she really is being honest. It is definitely a reveal. It's just an honesty about a different kind of Heather that's maybe always been there that maybe some of us didn't know about or didn't want to see. 
I mean, in some ways, I do have to genuinely take her at her word and her responses to this stuff in the chaos, in the refusal to acknowledge this, and the idea that it seems entirely likely from what I've heard about Girls Trip that Andy gets no resolution about what actually happened at the reunion and that this carries over (laughs) into the very next show she's about to do with Whitney, no less. And so, you know, I'm thinking about that. And a friend of mine, um, Face Reality 16, posts that old, you know, weeks long or whenever that um, uh, Instagram, you know, buy my book and I'll tell you if I got the shit kicked out of me. Um, A friend of mine, Face Reality 16, posts that as like a reminder and also posts an update from someone who had access to Heather's book who posted about it on Reddit. And said, I bad Mormon by Heather Gay. I've commented on some posts, but I ended up getting an advanced reader's copy of her book and I just finished it. There were some comments that the answer to her black eye might be in her book. And I'm here to tell you exactly what I learned. Are you ready? It's not discussed in the book at all, not even in passing. And I thought in an Instagram story that I shared how awful it is that people as a way to market her book with the use of the word perhaps people might have bought it because they thought she genuinely would give an answer and they wanted to know and of course she didn't tell them because she has no intention to because that's also a part of who Heather is here Uh, I don't think she's being coached not to by anyone I think it reflects poorly on everyone she has not But there is a a way here for her to at least stop this cycle from continuing, like stop upsetting people by at least acknowledging with some ounce of humility or a sense of humbleness that she might have left or that she can borrow. I fucked up. I don't I don't totally remember. I know that I said I did. I'm sorry. I don't have the answer. Like, I know that I said some stuff to Whitney and about other members of the cast and I was wrong. Like, I, I don't know if that is possible, but I think it says a lot about Heather that she has continued to lead the kind of chaos that she has. Ciao, AGs. I am speaking to you right now from Rome, Italy, where I am having a little bit of a European adventure. While I love the city and have had so many unique experiences to historical sites, the Vatican, we went to the Pantheon earlier today, there was a little bit of a hiccup in the apartment that we're staying in. And while I really enjoyed getting to know Fabrizio, the owner of the flat, there was a little bit of a language barrier because I unfortunately do not speak any Italian, even though I have watched The Sopranos all the way through at least three times. And this is where Rosetta Stone comes in. What would have helped me enormously in traveling abroad would have been brushing up, also known as entirely learning, the language of Italian. It could have broken down barriers and conversation with Fabrizio. And I also think speaking the language of the place that you're in is a sign of respect to the locals. It's also the ability to fully immerse yourself in the experience. And me not knowing any Italian, apologies to my grandpa Reno, who did make pizza from scratch, it would have been an incredible and even more incredible, memorable experience. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including Spanish, French, Italian, that's right, 
German, Chinese, and even more. Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There are no English translations, so you can really learn, listen, and think in that language you want to learn. It's designed for long-term retention, which is especially helpful for me because while this is my first trip to Italy, I really truly hope it won't be my last. The lifetime membership that Rosetta Stone offers has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses that Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today, today. Ciao. Hey, AGs. Are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa, obvs. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a Top Chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. So I posted on Instagram stories a screenshot of what Face Reality 16 had posted. And I said, talked about this repeatedly on Andy's Girls, y'all, including the most recent app. Of course, Heather is not going to be forthright and write that she lied and manipulated a situation because she thought it would give good story and make others look bad. It's another great example of incredibly poor taste. Heather doesn't live here anymore. And then I posted the screenshot of the perhaps the answers in my book coming out on February 7th. And I said, I wonder if people who are legitimately swayed by this contact her publisher and ask for a refund. I'm totally serious. And also it's the perhaps for me, totally manipulative and gross. It's really poor behavior from someone who knows exactly what she's doing, manipulating genuine good intentions people have for her, including of concern to sell her book. 
She's spot on with the, this is where I got a little loosey-goosey. She's spot on with the title though, Bad Mormon. Because maybe not great person who is no longer worthy of overwhelming fan support had too many words. And then I went about my day. (laughs) And I saw an update. And it was a message being sent at that very moment while I was doing something else. Um, Also on Instagram, it looks, looking at the screenshot, from Heather herself. So I saw the message to me come in, and it was in response to one of these stories. I don't know which that I had shared with my feedback on all of this. My guess is it was the first story and possibly not the second. Because she sent a response and a message, and I screenshot it in the moment. And then I was doing some other shit because I felt like I'll respond back to her when I want to. And I went and I realized in the span of like a minute, maybe longer. I don't think so, though. And it could have been much less time than that. She had unsent her DM to me. (laughs) Um, which is why I don't know which Instagram story she saw about her and then reached out, but I do have that screenshot. So what she said to me was, I was trying to be funny. I assume this is about the, perhaps the answer is in my book, Bad Mormon Hitting Shelves, February 7th. She says to me, I was trying to be funny and I'm sorry, prayer hands emoji. This book is my purpose and my life story. That's it. And then she unsends it. Because maybe we're all living in a world of regret over there in Salt Lake. And it's that kind of response that gives me pause. Not only the LOL of her immediately, seemingly immediately unsending an apology, but the idea of trying to be funny. That's the thing that has everybody so upset. Like, listen, I make a funny and LOL now and again, and some people think some stuff is funny and some people don't. But if I make the same joke over and over again, which Lord knows I absolutely have done, and it gets a bad response every single time, it gets like hundreds of thousands of people upset. It gets people leaving the same exact feedback on my page over and over again, hundreds and hundreds of times, all about the idea of physical violence isn't funny. I would maybe try a different joke. I don't know that I would really try to connect the two as craven as I had done prior. So my guess is that was in response to the February 7th. I, again, though, it gets into this idea of like, is this because you spent too much time with Jen? Or is this the reason you and Jen hung out for so long? Like, I'm only left with making my own assumptions because she's provided us with nothing, just a continuation of all the bad. So I can only wonder to myself, yikes, is this, you know, again, high on your own supply? Is this what happens when you become so incredibly, enormously loved and you've gotten this kind of reaction? I think about those people expressing such love and appreciation and respect for her at BravoCon, knowing this is like, well after the black eye stuff had happened and what she had said about her cast members and what she refused to say. And I just like wonder how the other members of her cast felt in that moment, hearing people cry to Heather under, again, understandably so, talking about how meaningful her time on Housewives was, knowing what was going to come. I don't know that everyone was aware of how badly this would go for Heather, but I would be surprised if they were not 
aware that this was not necessarily landing. It's tough. It's tough. So she unsent it. So I couldn't send her back a response. If I could, if I had, it probably would have been something along the lines of like, none of this is funny, Heather. None of it. None of it is funny. Try a different joke, you know, or just respect your fans a little bit more, especially when you're trying to sell a $30 book. I cannot imagine how her book tour is going to go. My, my guess is it will probably go very, very well because the people who show up to her will want to be respectful and supportive of her. And I don't begrudge them for that. I think that's probably appropriate. Genuinely, I think that there's like, we don't need to be pretending to be housewives. But I do also think there are like a lot of questions here. You know, like not just what happened, which she's obviously refusing to share and acknowledge, no matter the amount of times she wanted to reference it herself on camera, many, many, many times, while looping in select members of her cast and trying to engage that audience of supporters against them in a way that, again, felt, spoiler alert, graven at best. I think about that and I just, I don't know. I I just, I don't know. She's coming to New York City. I, you know, did not RSVP to that now sold out um, book tour. She's never come on Andy's Girls. Um, I don't, I don't know why, to be honest. Um, Maybe this kind of conversation is not her cup of tea. I would think, you know, previous to her behavior this season, it would be exactly the kind of conversation she would be interested in having, which is like talking about behavior. When she's talking about her life story, it's like, I would potentially want to hear that. But your life on Housewives is how you were able to get this book deal. The, the, the popularity and your power and success on Housewives, which is incredibly commendable is how you were able to write this book. And it is like the level of debasement and disrespect of that audience that got her to the point to enable to have her, to enable her to have all of these incredible opportunities. To see the way that they're being kind of like disrespected, taking out clarity around what happened and just like base level cringe about her behavior around her fucking eye is the only story I want to talk to her about. It's unfortunate because she does, I'm sure, have an interesting life story. I, my guess is she at one point offered to send me the book. I haven't received it yet, but I do also have to say I check my mailbox twice a month at most. I am a nightmare with anything having to do with mail. So it's entirely possible that it's there and it's been there for two weeks and I just haven't seen it. But my guess is it probably isn't. But if it is, would I read it? Like, I don't know. I've read Ramona's book more than once. Um, well, I've read it once plus pages that I've reread. Um, so anything's possible. Never did before until this moment did I think I would ever compare Heather and Ramona Singer. And yet here we are, that singer stinger leaps and bounds. I guess it crosses over to the West Coast. Um, I don't know. I, I just it's it's really unfortunate. I just there is a sense here of like ugh, that I think a lot of people have because of that very kind of spiritual housewife connection because it wasn't just a fave. It was someone that many of us, a person that many of us felt connected to in how we saw ourselves in her, good, bad, and different. And some of this bad is just, it's crossed a line of 
not only frustration with Heather, with who Heather has maybe become, with how she continues to behave in real time, with making all of this a joke, thinking it's funny, but also the idea that it's like that very connection that she was able to monetize, which I have no problem with. But it's that very connection connected with her continued and incredibly unfortunate behavior that I think is so viscerally upsetting to people who said, you know, like Tyra style, you know, we all believed in you. You know, we were rooting for you. And this is what she does as thanks. I, I'm sure the, the book will be a bestseller and good for her. You know, bad Mormon, good housewife. I don't know. Will we see it again? I'm not quite sure, but I think Bravo has more than a gen problem on their hands. It does also make me think, though, of a poll that I put on Instagram. There has been thousands of votes at this point, and I just kind of want to lead you through because it's a little bit of a social experiment because I was thinking about Heather and Salt Lake and all that fucking shit earlier today. And I thought to myself, I want to put a poll on Instagram stories about the five members of the, who are currently, <laughs> including Jen, full-time on Salt Lake. And I was curious about the impact of season three had on Bravoholics who follow me and what that impact could have been, good, bad, or I guess indifferent. I don't even know if you can be indifferent about Salt Lake at this point, unless it's part of a survival plan emotionally. Um, so I went through each housewife and had three questions for each of them. And I'm going to talk to you about the results. So I started with Heather. I'm sorry, <laughs> LOL. I started with Meredith and said, and it was the same question for everybody, phrased the exact same way. How do you currently feel about Meredith? One thumbs up or two? Two obviously being not great. So 21% of the audience felt good. 79% felt bad. And then I said, did your opinion of Meredith change over the course of season three? 72% said yes. 28% said no. And I said, if you answered yes, your opinion did change. Was it for better or worse? 5% said better. 95% said worse. Moving on to Whitney Rose. I said, how do you currently feel about Whitney? One thumbs up, meaning good. Two thumbs up, meaning nah. 64% felt good about Whitney. 36% did not. Did your opinion of Whitney change over the course of season three? 63% said yes. 37% said no. If you answered yes, your opinion did change. Was it for better or worse? 61% said better and 39% said worse. Not necessarily. I thought that was honestly one of like the more interesting responses. I think uh, Whitney continues to kind of be split in how she's viewed and potentially favored by the audience, which I thought was honestly really interesting. Moving on to Lisa Barlow, Vita Tequila. How do you currently feel about Lisa? 90%, one thumbs up, great. 10%, two thumbs up, aka nah. Did your opinion of Lisa change over the course of season three? 57% said yes. 43% said no. And I said, if you answered yes, your opinion did change. Was it for better or worse? 93% said better. 7% said worse. Moving on to Heather. How do you currently feel about Heather? Thumbs up? 8%. Two thumbs up, aka not great? 92%. Did 
Did your opinion of Heather change over the course of season three? 93% said yes. 7% said no. If you answered yes, your opinion did change. Was it for better or worse? Better? 2%. Worse? 98. Which I think, not just judging by a fucking series of Instagram story polls, but in the genuine feedback I've received from AGs, what I've seen of viewers on social media, what I've heard from other content creators, dozens of whom I've seen post about just this very thing. I don't know that I remember a housewife with such popularity lose it over the span of honestly a week. Like the, the downward slope was quick. And it started with her fucking eye. I think that people had been feeling a certain way about her friendship with Jen for a while. But a lot of this is about the eye. The eye has become the symbol of it all. And, you know, the eye was symbolic should go on an eye patch that somehow will magically find available. Um, so that's tough. And then, of course, uh, yeah, I'm including Jen. Luann is <laughs> the meme I put up next. How do you currently feel about Jen? 2% thumbs up. And I think some of those were error. And because I heard from people who said, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And then double thumbs up, aka Nat, 98%. Did your opinion of Jen change over the course of season three? 39% said yes. 61% said no. I think that makes a lot of sense, to be honest. And if you answered yes, your opinion did change. Was it for the better or worse? Better, 2%. Worse, 98 Oy. And there we go. It's funny that I thought this was going to be a little mini bebe up, and it ended up being exactly the length of the H.E. classic, which is what it is. Um, we didn't even talk about Potomac, and we must. We literally must. Um, this is such a dumb, all things considered moment in an episode that was honestly iconic. But my favorite moment, aside from every time that Candace and Dr. Wendy like gave each other looks or responded to what the fuck was going on, was at that final lunch that they had with like the food that was so great and better than everything else. When I think at that point, it's like Karen and Robin are yelling at each other. Maybe Sharice is saying some shit and Giselle's like, yeah, yeah, keep going. And you just see the faces of Mia, Ashley. Candace and Wendy trying to do a mini like toast and look at each other's eyes before they have a tequila shot. And the like look, especially honestly, on me and Ashley of like, can we have the shot <laughs> while the yelling is going on was so good. I also find myself feeling it's sort of the exact opposite problem of what I am suffering through on Salt Lake, where I can't get past my own like confusion and fury and frustration about how a lot of this has gone down specifically myself, I have to say, um, with Meredith and Heather's behavior and of course Jen. And so it's hard for me to get past it at this point because they're like, we're not getting any understanding here or clarity, at least from Heather or Meredith. And they're like doubling down and talking about how great Jen is and how fun she is. And it's like, OK, the cost of fun, all the things we talked about and discussed in the last Andy's Girls and on AG Past. But with Potomac, I find myself having a different problem 
which is that I am hearing from people who are very upset, like genuinely have a lot of frustration and upset about specific members of the cast. And the problem that I seem to be having is while I understand and can absolutely appreciate frustration, anger maybe about how storyline is even being discussed on social media, uh, within the Bravo community, or this person is getting away with this thing and this person is not, whatever it is, I just don't feel that way, honestly, about any members of the cast. Like, I find it really, really genuinely interesting to hear that feedback, and I understand it and can appreciate it because I have... I feel it about certain members, specifically about what's going on in in Salt Lake when we think of franchises currently airing, because love them or love them just the same. Everybody in Miami is doing doing fine. (laughs) They're doing great work there in Florida. I have no concerns, (laughs) all things considered. And I think most Bravoholics will agree on that. Maybe one of the few things we'll agree on these days. But aside from apparently our dislike of some people on Salt Lake, um, including those not named Jen. But when it comes to Potomac, I hear from people who are really upset, uh, upset at the green-eyed bandits, upset about how the green-eyed bandits are being treated, upset uh, that Karen gets away with stuff, upset that Ashley is always in the middle, upset that Candace is Candace saying, upset that people aren't giving Candace um, the respect of growth, like uh, so many different responses. And I just don't, I don't have really genuinely any frustration against anybody in the cast. I just think I like watch Potomac and I enjoy it or I watch Potomac and I feel cringe with some of the conversation that's taken place, especially the stuff around the husbands. I have to say really honestly, like any of the stuff around Eddie, I just thought was like incredibly gross. Obviously the Chris stuff, you know, cringe as well, but the Eddie thing in particular, because it was all focused on him smiling and being friendly and trying to take that away from this man, of trying to accuse him of not being essentially faithful to his wife and like flirting with other people because he was smiling is so fucked up to me. But I really don't have any kind of, you know, go fuck yourself energy toward anyone in the cast. And, you know, Candace and I have had our shenanigans in the past, but I see personal growth in her. I also think she's been incredibly enjoyable this season. I also can appreciate the way that she has communicated boundaries to people. Is she someone that I would consider a close friend? No, because we don't literally know each other. I am my person. She's her person. I don't, I don't actually know this person. It, the the Bravo-holic opinions and energy does come from this whole like para, parasocial ideal, I guess. That's one of the many ways that Housewives has been so successful. But when you think about it, it's like, well, it's that whole thing of, you know, voting for president because of whether or not you want to take him out for a beer. And while I would be happy to do a tequila shot with truly anybody currently in the cast of Potomac, I can say that honestly, including Candace, I don't know that I necessarily need to be friends with any member of Potomac, for example, or Miami or Salt Lake to appreciate the way that some of these women have behaved. And with Potomac, I just have respect for Candace. And I think that I do see genuine growth in her. And she was incredibly charming at BravoCon. She was funny and direct, as was, I have to say, Robin um, and other members of the cast. I mean, Potomac was one of the best panels with one of the best moderators who fucking killed it. 
And it just shows the talent and energy that this cast has. And I honestly feel a little bit bad that I don't have like divisive opinions. And Lord knows on the next AG, we will get into the thick of it with all things Potomac. I'm also going to be doing another Satchel Spectacular on the Patreon, answering your thoughts and feels, questions and concerns about all things housewives, including Potomac. So slide into my messages on Instagram at Dame Galley or send me a DM on Patreon, patreon.com slash Girls. You can also send me a thesis, a long, long, long form, Satchel of Gold. All, and on, on all of these communications, please include your first name in town, unless there's a reason for not doing so. Just let me know if you want to be a non, which is no problem. Send me an email at andyscrollshow at gmail.com because I love to unpack your reactions to things. I just feel like even if I disagree with somebody's behavior on Potomac right now, then sure, there's areas definitely of disagreement. I just, I don't like feel like, oh, fuck so-and-so. I just really don't. I just really am enjoying it. I thought the last episode was genuinely enjoyable. I know everybody's focusing on like the Karen Etch-A-Sketch style. Like this is who I imagine Juan was seen with, someone who appears to look like me. And obviously that was the moment that got a lot of people's attention. But I thought that there were so many other moments of levity. I also was really kind of into the conversation at the end of the episode with um, Dr. Wendy and Mia, when Mia's like, I don't know why we fought. And Dr. Wendy's like, because you threw a drink in my face. Remember that thing? We can't just pretend that didn't happen. But they were able to really see each other and they had affection for each other. And yes, it may be a little superficial at the start. Yeah. But sometimes bonding and just coming to terms and having peace with someone can start from or exist in a place of superficiality. Like, yeah. Can you be like, love you, love you too? If that's the way it's got to go, that's, I think, in many ways normal. What I did think was interesting was the end of the episode and hearing what those ladies were up to at the club later that night. I'm sure we'll hear more about that on next week's episode. Mia probably not necessarily including in her conversation with, I think, Giselle about, you know, Dr. Wendy, um lifting up her dress or whatever which the other ladies were also doing so like how is that different from what everybody else was doing but probably didn't include that line that other people heard of like which I think also Dr. Wendy said of like you know Mia not propositioning her but like flirting with her or maybe propositioning her I don't know that's sort of outside of my wheelhouse um But I think that that's like a part of the story that seemingly in the trailer for the next episode, Mia did neglected to include in her conversation of putting the onus of pressure on all of this on Dr. Wendy, uh, which Mia is as Mia does. Um, But yeah, I just thought the episode itself was like genuinely enjoyable. It felt a lot lighter, even noting that there were you know, crazy topics taking place, intense topics. And I don't know exactly what to say about what's going on with Karen and Robin, except to say that, like, I do think Robin is making some good points. I also genuinely have affection for Karen, noting that, I guess, from the terms of, like, superficial, we don't maybe know an awful lot about her. She hasn't necessarily had to sacrifice in being vulnerable in the ways of the other members of the cast, noting that some of that vulnerability has like not necessarily come with said housewife 
putting their foot forward first. It's usually like, your husband's a piece of shit, let's talk about it. Or Michael Darby for four seasons plus. Um, Just Michael Darby waking up and being Michael kind of unfortunately takes away a lot of the storyline from everybody else. Um, But even in that back and forth between uh, Robin and Karen, I thought it was honestly interesting to watch in the way that at one point... Robin, you know, like Robin's talking about blue eyes or whatever. And Karen's like, can I see the picture? And Robin says something along the lines of like, no, thank you. And just shows everybody else at that table, literally everyone but Karen, including the camera operator. I mean, there's something funny in that, guys. It was a funny moment. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm grasping and holding on to Potomac, noting that in many ways, on many episodes of Andy's Girls, um, it's just the attention had to be paid to Salt Lake because it's so fucked up what's been going on. Then, of course, there's affection and adoration for Miami, too. And I do think in, in some ways Potomac has gotten lost in the shovel, which is why I love those Potomac-focused apps. I'm sorry that I'm potentially taking away from it. Usually the Potomac-focused apps are the Tuesday episodes, you know, because the episode just aired on Sunday. But I did feel like you guys might want to have a little conversation with Auntie Sarah over here about some of that Salt Lake of it all. Because truly the last couple of days and then that DM, it's been an awful lot. So the to be continued on Potomac is that Potomac will be to be continued. I have a lot of thoughts, not just about the grand and the dame, the grand dame and this dame over here. Um, and also about Juan's response. I was like, oh, that's interesting. It reminded me a little bit of Alex and Simon versus Jill. The idea of like Juan saying like, I want to cuss out members of the cast, which is a conversation and an argument that happened on old school classic New York between Alex and Simon, which Jill and I want to say maybe Lou was sort of repelled by the idea of like, how can I husband use his voice with other members of the cast, including and especially when it includes frustration and possibly anger, either about their behavior toward said husband's wife or about their behavior with the husband. Um, it, there are some shades there of classic housewives. I'm thinking, I'm thinking about New York when it comes to that. So I'm curious for how that will continue it, or how that will, yeah, honestly continue that conversation will proceed when um, Robin is back from the trip. And also breaking news, Robin and Juan got married which I guess we'll see video of on the finale, but they did have their little wedding moment, which to me felt more like when Robin was talking about her wishes for it, I was like, oh, what she wants is a vow renewal. She doesn't want a wedding. I think the, the use of the word wedding has been so confusing to people because people think of the ceremony of that. And it's not exactly an elopement. It feels like it's a, what she wants is a vow renewal with her kids. She wants her kids present. Vow renewal with Juan, done and done. When I think in my head about vow renewal, even though, I mean, like a part of that renewal is like putting it back on the books, I, that, that to me makes a little bit more sense than everything else. Um, and maybe someone should tell that to Karen. Maybe that will make more sense to her as well. Anyway, what an episode. Listen, speaking of episodes, there is an episode up on the AG Patreon that includes Ryan Houlihan and I deep diving the traders and also doing some AG immersive theater. We did an interpretation, not an impersonation, an interpretation in AG immersive theater 
while reading the entirety of Lisa Rinna's interview, magazine interview that went up recently, um, which was a lot. We did the entirety of the interview and then talked about our feelings about it and what's going to happen to Bev Hills and what the fuck went wrong with Rinna herself. Um, so you can listen to that hour plus episode, which is exclusive to OGs of the AG and People's People's Couch premium tier on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy Scrolls. It was a lot of fun. And of course, I'll do another Satchel Spectacular with your thoughts and feels. So I want to hear what you're thinking and feeling about Miami. Potomac, Salt Lake, whatever you, whatever you got cooking in your brain, I want to know, pass it on. So send me a DM on Instagram at Dame Galley, include your first name in town. You can also send me a message on Patreon at patreon.com slash Andy's Girls, just forgot what it was, patreon.com slash Andy's Girls, or shoot me a thesis, a super long form satchel, which I'm always happy to read at Andy's Girls Show at gmail.com. I felt like this was like a a one-on-one that I really wanted to have. And so I hope um, it was something for you. (laughs) There was a lot to say. The last couple of days, the Salt Lake of it all, there's the idea of like attention must be paid and then it'll go away. And I cannot wait until next week, maybe the week after that, if they do Secrets Revealed, for Salt Lake to be put at bed. I don't know about you, but I really just kind of need a spiritual nap. And I don't know whether or not Heather still remains a spiritual housewife, but I do know that having these conversations, it's something I love to do more than most anything else. And um, for us to have these conversations and maybe disagree with each other and challenge each other, but do so in a way where we're able to listen, I think is the most incredible thing of all. So I'm so appreciative to all of you for listening to today's episode. And on that note, guys, to be continued from the closet.